0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God, and together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Good evening, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America on this September 11th, this day that is designated as Patriot Day, because it is the anniversary of the terrorist attacks on our country that happened September 11th of 2001. Brothers and sisters, I wanna share with you as we pray for America tonight, a reflection I gave on one of my other broadcasts called The Living Word. It's a daily scripture reflection and time of prayer that I broadcast on my other uh, channels at EndAbortion.TV, and I dedicated that reflection and those uh, scripture uh, readings to the uh, the anniversary uh, of 9/11. And therefore, I'd like to show you that broadcast from earlier today, and invite you to uh, come into the Word of God with me uh, from that uh, from that perspective. And then we'll return back uh, with a concluding. Uh, time of prayer. Such an important day today uh, to be watching a program like this, to be united as patriots, not only across America, but with those of our brothers and sisters around the world who love America too, and who are united with us, especially uh, in solidarity as we recall such a tragic day uh, in our history. So let's join now together in the word uh, and in prayer Again, bringing you my broadcast from earlier today. Lord, we place ourselves in your presence on this somber memorial, on this sad day that recalls a great tragedy for our nation, a great tragedy for humankind, because this attack on innocent life that occurred was, as is every attack on human life, an insult and offense to all of us. We are united by our common humanity, shared by born and unborn alike, shared across ethnic lines and other kinds of divisions. And Lord, we are insulted by this kind of activity, this atrocious behavior that treats human beings as disposable. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy, and we are aware that there are those in our world who hate that freedom and who would want to take it away from us. Lord, as we recall what happened on that day in 2001, enable us to experience your grace, mercy, and healing, and enable us, Lord, to discover a new resolve to protect, life and freedom in America. We ask all this in the name of Jesus the Lord, amen. Friends, the scripture I'd like to share with you today is from the book of Genesis, chapter four. Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the soil. While Abel, for his part, brought one of the best firstlings of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not. Cain greatly resented this and was crestfallen. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so resentful and crestfallen? If you do well, you can hold up your head. But if not, sin is a demon lurking at the door. His urge is toward you, yet you can be his master. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out in the field. When they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He answered, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord then said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the soil. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. They were the first brothers. And sadly, the first murder in human history was a brother upon his own brother. The first murder. The shedding of innocent blood. The action that looks at another human being and considers him or her to be disposable. It can be rejected. It can be discarded like a piece of garbage. This view toward human life, exactly the opposite of what God expects when he puts human beings together. Love your neighbor as yourself, the greatest of all the commandments, right? Love your neighbor recognizing that he, she, is a person like yourself. That is, of equal dignity. That no human being owns human life or can enslave, manipulate, or possess another or have veto power over life and death of another. But rather, the only proper response to the human person is that of love, total respect, looking at that person as God's possession, not ours, never looking at the person as a means to an end, but as an end in and of themselves, a person with equal dignity to the rest of us, a reflection of the glory of God himself. So Cain killed Abel. Now we notice what happens here is that Cain goes ahead then and makes an excuse to God. Instead of being accountable, instead of taking responsibility, he makes an excuse. Am I my brother's keeper? And the question contains the answer. We are our brother's keeper. God is asking this question. Because when God creates human beings, when God creates human life, when God creates and calls us to a human community, he is entrusting us to the lives of one another. He's entrusting us to the protection of one another. So where is your brother is a question that we find here at the dawn of human history that we find as God's response to the very first shedding of innocent blood. Where is your brother? It's a question that will echo down through the centuries. Confront the mind and heart of every single person in every generation. Where is your brother? Is a question that we will have to answer at the judgment. When we are brought before the Lord in that awesome assembly where he will ask for an accounting of each one of us, the general judgment, and he will say to us when I was hungry you gave me to eat, but when you will say to those on his left when I was hungry you did not give me anything to eat. What is he saying there? The same thing. We are entrusted to the care of one another. So where is your brother? Is a question that echoes not only throughout human history but into the next life as well, into that awesome day of judgment. It was a question that arose at the Nuremberg trials. Where is your brother? Were you just carrying out orders or is there some principle in human nature that says we don't kill the innocent? It was a question that arose in front of the United States Supreme Court in 1973 in that Roe v. Wade decision when the court was considering whether or not it should legalize the killing of babies by abortion. You know what the court said? In that Roe v. Wade decision that did legalize abortion, now fortunately it's been overturned and the people can protect those babies if they so choose through the legislative process, but the answer that the court gave at that time was summarized in these words, that it is difficult to resolve the question of when human life begins, when those trained in the respective disciplines of medicine, philosophy, and theology cannot uh, arrive at any consensus. The court said, the judiciary at this point in the development of man's knowledge is not competent to speculate as to the answer. Boil all those words down into three, and it's I don't know. And isn't that exactly the same response that Cain gave to that question? Where is your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Now, that was a lie. And it was a lie in 1973 when the Supreme Court said it, because we do know. We know exactly how human life begins. We knew it then. We know it now even better. We know that that's a baby in the womb. Are you your brother's keeper? Are we responsible for the lives of one another in the plan of God? Are we our unborn brother and sister's keeper? Does love your neighbor include love your unborn neighbor? And of course it does. What this reading also conveys is that the blood of the innocent that is shed on the land cries out. The person having been killed cannot speak anymore, but the blood can, and the blood does, and it speaks to God. Here we have God telling Cain, I can hear the blood. The ground, the passage from Genesis tells us, swallowed up the blood of Cain's brother Abel. This is why in 1 Corinthians 15, it's so dramatic when Paul says, and the Lord speaking through him says, death at the second coming of Christ will be swallowed up in victory. So death asserts itself in the world and the ground swallows up the blood, but death itself will be swallowed up by a greater victory in Christ that comes from a greater blood. Because the letter to the Hebrews tells us that thanks to the death of Christ on the cross, there is a blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. Speaks more eloquently. In other words, this blood is calling for an answer. That blood of Christ calls for mercy. This blood, this voice calls for restitution, calls for justice. In fact, in Deuteronomy, in the 21st chapter, God gives prescriptions, he gives rules for what should happen if the body of a slain person is found out in the, out in the countryside. The people from the nearest city have to gather together with their priests and pray over this act of killing and say, Lord, we didn't do this, our eyes didn't see that, but please forgive your people because innocent blood has been shed on the land. If innocent blood is shed on the land, God says, I hear it. I hear the cry of the blood. And being that I've entrusted you to the care of one another, you've got to answer for it. So that's why in Deuteronomy 21 there's this ceremony by which the people have to answer for the shed blood, even if they weren't the ones who shed it. It's that community, it's that solidarity, it's that joined responsibility that we all have for one another. This is powerful. The blood cries out, and thank God we have the blood of Christ crying out for us, that innocent blood that fell on the ground, and that swallows up our sins. Swallows up the power of death. So then we come to September 11th of 2001. Brothers and sisters, there are people who hate America. We enjoy the blessing of freedom in this country. Our founders gave us a system of governance that protects freedom. But there are people who hate freedom. On that day, we saw that hatred coming in from outside our country. And we rightly condemned the Taliban regime. We saw hatred for our country in the plotting and scheming of these terrorists who took our airplanes and flew them into our buildings. And thank God for the courage of those who fought back and prevented yet further tragedy by bringing down that plane over Shanksville, Pennsylvania, Todd Beamer, and let's roll, right? Remember, we heard the recording of that courageous act by those passengers. Let's roll. We don't know how this is going to turn out, but we are going to give it everything that we've got. And in fact, they saved America from even more damage and heartache as that plane was headed for yet another target on that day. It's one of those days that, you know, increasingly each year that we commemorate this anniversary, there are those who weren't even alive when it happened. It was 2001. So as we sit here in 2023, it's 22 years. And, well, those who are younger than that, and there are plenty of you, don't have any recollection of that day. But those of us who do, it's one of those days that you always remember where you were, what you were doing, what you were saying, what you were thinking, and how you were feeling. Let's go back to that day for a few moments because we must never forget. And the sentiments of that day, the feelings we had, the fears we experienced, the realization that we came to of how there are these people who hate our way of life needs to empower and strengthen us for the days and the fights that are ahead. I was in New York. I was in New York City that day. We were, as Priests for Life, uh, headquartered as a ministry on Staten Island. Now, that's one of the five boroughs of New York. It isn't Manhattan, but it faces Manhattan. I actually saw the smoke coming from those buildings before realizing, before any one of us knew exactly what had just happened. It was a bright, sunny, cloudless Tuesday morning, September 11th of 2001. And we, at the time that the first plane hit the towers, we were having our staff meeting, our morning staff briefing. And it was during a time when as we do every uh, four to six weeks, we had our pastoral team members who live in other places gathered together for a meeting, several days of meetings. We finished our meeting and one of our staff priests uh, came into the room and said a a plane just hit the World Trade Towers. And we looked at each other and said, "That, that sounds strange. It's a bright clear day and we looked out the window of our staff meeting room and there we could see because the building faced the where the twin towers were we could see smoke rising up and then as happened to all of us the word came out step by step layer by layer of the atrocity of what had happened and then the second plane hit the second building now we knew people that were in those buildings and that added to of course the the horror and sadness of everybody who lived through that day no matter where they lived if they knew people that worked in those buildings they were concerned about them right from the start and fortunately for example one of our volunteers at priest for life who did work in those buildings was spared that day she was able to get out of the building yeah, and uh her life was uh, preserved. Another person who works for us now on our team was working in the second tower and was responsible for the saving, actually, of many lives because the word was given in the building uh, that everything was okay, they could stay uh, in, their, in their places of work. And her instinct was correct and it was different from that, and she said, no, we're, we're, we have to get out of here. And so she led her whole department out of there. And indeed, uh, it was the right call, obviously, because of what happened after that. It's a very traumatic day for many people. Um, it is for all of us on one level or another, but for those that were more directly involved. And, you know, I always remember that uh, it wasn't quite that day. I mean, all day long we saw the billowing smoke coming from the, those towers. But the next morning of September twelfth, I can just relive it now as I speak to you. I came out of our building, and there was this smell in the air. Again, we're on Staten Island, so we're some miles away from Lower Manhattan. But there was a smell in the air. And I looked. In that direction, and there were these columns of smoke. They remained there for weeks. And in fact, for years, we, were, we, were, we had just moved into that building the prior year. We were in that building 16 more years. And for so many years, as I would walk out the front door of our building, looking in that same direction, I would have the recollection of that day. The image of that day. On that day, as we saw the uh, news unfold and the buildings have then eventually collapsed, once they had collapsed, we got together in our chapel and we had a Mass. And, you know, in the Catholic Mass we do what many of you know as the, the Lord's Supper and, and our associate uh, priest, Father Dennis Wilde, offered the Mass. So I was uh, standing at the altar with him and at a certain point during the Mass, it holds up the, the body of Christ. This is my body given up for you, we say in the midst of the Mass. And I looked, and I could see in one glance the sacred host in his hand and the smoke coming from the World Trade Center in one line of sight. Because that's what was happening over there at that moment. This is my body given for you. Those who were going in selflessly, our first responders, the rescuers, going in selflessly and literally giving their lives to save the lives of as many of our brothers and sisters as they could in that unprecedented scenario. This is my body given up for you. In the weeks that followed, in the weeks that followed, not only were there many funerals in the churches right around our, our neighborhood and so many people, we would hear different stories each day of people who, uh, whose fate we did not know but, or they did not know, but then eventually they found out that they were confirmed to have been killed. Although that night we experienced just kind of the opposite. There were some people that worked in the building we knew about but did not have any idea if they had been able to get out. And that night I was uh, sitting with one of these families in their, in their home and uh, lo and behold, the person came just walking through the front door. It felt like a resurrection. you know. We, we didn't know if this person had died and there he came walking into the door. That was such a great consolation. And this happened to many people both ways either discovering that they were alive or that they were not. But in those following weeks also, two things that really captivated our attention. First of all, the volunteer effort, helping those uh, those rescue and recovery efforts, uh, helping the people that were still searching through the rubble of those buildings. Uh, There was a lot to be done, and we had to help the helpers, so various people from our staff went into uh, the city and, uh, and provided some of that volunteer assistance. But then the other dynamic, brothers and sisters, was the flag. This flag that we have right here. Flags were everywhere. The flags that you would attach to the, the car window roll up the window and then they they they, they're secured there and the flags you saw the flags flying on the sides of the cars i got mine as soon as i could and the other thing i did was our building again that faced uh, lower manhattan had many many windows two floors and a lot of different windows all around the building we got these flags oh about about this big and put them right on the windows and then all the windows of the building and then at night we would light, turn, keep the lights on in those different offices so that the people outside the building could see these lit up flags all over the front of the building. People in the neighborhood really appreciated that. And we were all in a very, very high moment of national unity, prayer, concern for one another, and patriotism. That patriotism. Because America was under attack. These were people who hate our way of life, who hate freedom, and they were showing it that day in a cowardly act, and we united around the flag. It was a time when many people discovered, and that's why this day has been named Patriot Day. People rediscovered what that means. You have a love for country because you have a love for God and for freedom, for human life, for dignity, for the opportunity to grow and to flourish and to pursue a a business and an education and success in this world and service to others and service to the world. We thank our international friends who were expressing that same love for America, not as citizens themselves, but as partners in this this worldwide human family, realizing that an attack on America could just as easily be an attack on them. Brothers and sisters, we also experienced, of course, in the, uh, the efforts of our political leaders, of course, we were in New York City, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, what a blessing he was that day And in the days after, and of course, during his entire time as mayor, what he did for the city was unprecedented. And it is so great to still have him around to be able to recall and recount not only what happened that day, but this is a man who defends this country in many ways, defends the integrity of our elections, defends our greatest president, President Trump, does so much for the nation now, even still, and is under attack from a weaponized government this man was a great blessing and of course so many of our leaders in those days george w bush was president and we were all rallying around one another under president trump of course we see what a contrast it was then just a few years ago to now the embarrassment that the Biden administration has brought upon our country in what happened in Afghanistan, what happens in all our international relationships. It all went downhill very, very fast once President Trump left office. But while he was in office, let's never forget how he wiped terrorists, wiped enemies of America off the map, completely obliterated the ISIS caliphate, got rid of terrorists like al-Baghdadi and Soleimani, people who had, had carried out and were plotting more harm to Americans. He brought us victory over that. And he knows how to do it. I remember the story he tells, you know, in his various rally uh, speeches when President Trump went over there to uh, visit with our troops in Iraq. He said, how are we doing with, uh, you know, the, get, getting rid of this uh, ISIS caliphate, this territory that they controlled and?" They told him, well, sir, we're making progress. So how much longer will it take? And a couple of years, why, was, why would it take that long? Well, sir, you know, we're doing it this way. And it was, why aren't you doing it that way? Is there a better way? Oh yeah, we could get it done in a couple of weeks. You can, how? And they explained to him how. And he said, well, why do you tell anybody that we should be doing it this way? Sir, nobody asked us. This is one of the, this is one of the keys to the genius of of President Trump's leadership. Because what he did there on the ground with the troops fighting ISIS was what he did in New York City at the construction sites of the buildings that he built. He talked with the workers. You go directly to the the source and you talk about how you can get it done better. And he got it done better. And we wiped them away, this enemy of America. Brothers and sisters, It's necessary to fight the terrorists, you know, our way of life changed, right? We became much more aware of terrorism. We became much more aware of how to protect ourselves. I remember those early days. In fact, I remember it was, it was Friday after September 11th. So it was the 14th was sitting outside on the deck of a restaurant, right by the water there on Staten Island with some of my staff members. And for the first time in three days. We heard the sound of an airplane. Air traffic had just opened up. And we're sitting there, look, look at an airplane. Because remember, it was very quiet those first few days as all air traffic got shut down. And the airlines and the airports and the the government was was figuring out the game plan and implementing new security measures. And remember in those first days going back to the airport because I'm always on the road, always taking flights, seeing the... uh, very very visible armed military personnel there and of course we we learned a whole new method of checking in at the airports and hopefully it's a lasting a lasting lesson in how to just be more aware and if you see something say something and that indeed going back to the theme of this reading we are all responsible for one another but there's another point here, friends, that I want to bring out. What was the evil of September 11th? Was it that buildings were destroyed? Or that people died? Of course, people die and buildings are destroyed also by natural disasters. Earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, like we saw in Maui. Although, of course, there was human responsibility there. We don't have to go into that right now. But natural disasters destroy property and lives. What was the distinct evil of September 11th? That some people had a blatant disregard for the right to life of other people. That's what it was right there. Some people had a blatant disregard for human life a blatant disregard of this lesson from Genesis 4 that yes we are our brother's keeper and that the blood of the innocent shed on the land cries out to God and demands a response from all in the land we've got to get rid of the terrorists we need strong leadership like president trump way we were way better off back in his administration way safer from terrorists under him than we are right now under Biden. But doesn't that become part and parcel of a respect for all human life? You know, in the 9-11 Memorial in New York City, if you go to the place where those twin towers stood, you will see a beautiful memorial. I encourage you to go there if you can, if you're ever visiting New York City. There are plaques with the names of everyone who was killed in those terrorist attacks. And on 11 of those plaques, it had a mom's name, and it said, and her unborn child. 11 of those names, and they're included in the count of lives lost that day, and her unborn child. Doesn't our response to 9-11 require us to renew our respect for every human life the respect we have for human life doesn't make distinctions between how they get killed, whether, whether the, the instrument of killing is, a, is an airplane or a gun or a bomb or the surgical forceps of an abortionist, and whether the victim of the violence is five feet tall or five inches tall, Whether that victim is in the womb or outside the womb, does not this occasion require of us, as we renew our patriotism, as we renew renew our love for freedom, as we renew our dedication to eradicate terrorism? Isn't the deepest realization that has to happen here that every human life is sacred? You can't kill any innocent person using any tool in any place or circumstance. That's the deepest conversion that has to occur here. brothers and sisters, recently the Sound of Freedom movie that I'm sure most of you saw, awakened the consciences of people to the terrible exploitation of children in um, sex trafficking. An awakening of conscience here is the best fruit of that film. But I was talking with Eduardo Verastigi, and he, um, I had come to know him many years ago and assisted him in the movie that came out back, uh, oh, about 17 years ago or so, the movie Bella about the saving of a child's life from the violence of abortion. And I was talking with Eduardo just recently and uh, he of course had been keeping me posted about the, the production of Sound of Freedom and we had talked uh, just uh, prior to when it was released, I was helping him prepare for the release and telling people about it. And we talked about it shortly after it got released and was having great success. And we said, you know, the awakening of consciences here has to be applied also to these very same children when they're in the womb. The awakening of consciences from Sound of Freedom needs to go hand in hand with the awakening of consciences from Bella. The awakening of consciences to the evil of child sex trafficking has to go hand in hand with the awakening of consciences to the evil of dismembering babies in the womb by abortion. Let's let our consciences be awakened to all this evil all across the board. And let's let our will be awakened to the determination to protect life all across the board as well. Well, friends, thank you for uh, your solidarity with uh, me and that reflection and those sentiments. And let's turn to the Lord now in prayer. Father, we do pray for America. Lord God, we ask you to continue to keep us safe, and we thank you for the leadership of people like President Trump who have kept us safe and can keep us safe again. We ask that the conversion of the minds and hearts of your people may be deep and profound uh, and may be in favor of life. We ask you, Lord God, that this nation's elections and our motivation for taking part in the coming elections— may be to make America safe again, as part of making America great again. Thank you, Lord God, for the defeat of our enemies under President Trump and for the plans that are indeed already in mind for another Trump administration to increase the safety of America. May we be true patriots, Lord God, Loving you, believing in you, trusting in your providence as our founders did. May you bless and keep us all the days of our life. May you bless this nation. We lift up to you the intentions of all those who are watching. Those who have expressed those intentions in the comments. And those intentions we hold in our hearts. And Lord God, we pray now as you taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining me on Praying for America on this solemn day, this somber remembrance. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe, and we will talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.